Time to find out about you and your money as we chat this morning with Lazel Cording and Jim Zahansky from Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors because today is International Women's Day and we're going to be talking about women and finance. So welcome to the show, Lizel and Jim. Nice timing for this show today, huh? That's right. Good morning, Wayne. Good morning, Wayne. Nice to be here. So what are we talking about on International Women's Day as it comes to finance? Well, we're gonna we're gonna celebrate the importance of uh, of being um, and women's achievement generally. But um, you know, I think we're gonna, it's a really today is International Women's Day, and we we work with some of the best women in finance, and one of them's on the line with us. So we want to talk a bit about Lizel and her her background, because we believe as a team it's important to celebrate uh, the inclusion of all people, and and today especially um, celebrating women who've. Who, who have brought so much to teams and the world. And if you go to the Google homepage today, the Google Doodle today is about International Women's Day. So we will find about Lizel and her background as we go on today. But as we always do, we begin with an overview of the market. So, uh, Lizel, you want to give us an update on what's going on with the markets these days? Sure. Yeah, and I just I just want to start off by saying we're saddened by everything that's happening with the Russia-Ukraine conflict and you know we, we're hoping that that can be resolved quickly so I'll break it down into three segments the economy markets and then what that means for investment portfolios and so on the economy front with the, the Russia Ukraine conflict um, it, it will have a larger impact in Europe than it will on some economies across the globe but and that's really because Russia supplies about 27 percent of European oil needs and 37% of natural gas needs. So those oil needs, though, can be taken care of in Europe without Russia, but not the natural gas. So with less supply, we'll likely see higher demand, which will increase gas prices for an extended period. And we're all seeing that at the the gas pumps even here in the U.S. And so with these higher energy prices, it's estimated to have about a $1,000 impact per year per household on spending. And that's on average. So with this impact on both the energy and food prices going up, that'll likely slow some growth in spending in other areas. And as we know, consumer spending accounts for nearly 70% of GDP. So if we have those higher food and energy prices, there's a risk that consumers may shift their their spending patterns to spend money on, on those important needs. And so this may actually curb some of the inflation pressures on core inflation like goods and services. And so if, if that happens, then we have inflation pressures alleviated a little bit, and we may see a more predictable interest rate increase path out of, from the Federal Reserve. So uh, that, that could help. And overall, though, as the economy is in a pretty strong place and able, likely able to absorb this without going into a recession. We have strong job growth, unemployment's low, and consumers are still pretty confident. So... But looking at the market markets, that, that sort of tells a, a different story. Uh, and year-to-date, we're seeing a, a lot of volatility, mostly driven by headlines and everything that's going on in, in Russia and Ukraine. And all of those in, the indices across the board, S&P is down about 9 Dow down about 7 and bonds down about 3% uh, year-to-date. So what does this mean for investment portfolios? Well, the way we're coaching our clients is really, and we've said this all along, is focus on the long term. Uh, And we actually, we did an exercise at work where we looked at all of the geopolitical conflicts that have arisen since the 
uh, Cuban Missile Crisis in the 60s, and only one in eight have taken longer than 12 months to return the loss that we're seeing currently year-to-date and, re- and return to growth. And so while we're optimistic about that and that we'll get through this, given the strength of the economy, we're probably going to see a, pr- a pretty bumpy ride over the next couple of months. And Jim, why don't you weigh in on that a little bit too? Because you and I and Lizel too, we've talked about the fact that the market doesn't like uncertainty and volatility. And I would think that this is a reaction to what's going on now. The question is, how long will this uncertainty go on as far as what happens to the markets in the short and the long term? Yeah, I mean, Lizel did a great job explaining the, the, the impact of the Ukraine uh, and Russia conflict. I mean, that sort of started at the backdrop of, of what was already going on in the markets, which was uncertainty around the number of interest rate increases mm-hmm. this year due to, you know, an inflationary challenge. And then we lay on uh, a conflict. And, I th- and our view is, is that, you know, obviously the shorter that the conflict uh, goes on, the better uh, both the humanitarian side and the market side will be. Um, but that's sort of an unknown right now. So uh, we expect it to be volatile until there's some sort of resolution there. Uh, and in, 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 in parallel to that, though, that's sort of the risk, as Liza was explaining to, to most of the listeners, which is, uh, you know, things are going to cost more from gas to, uh, you know, some foods. And when that happens, there's less discretionary income. Um, and what we would say is, you know, you need to think about adjusting your budget a little bit if, if this is starting to hurt you. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's something to think about. But, I mean, obviously the point here is, is that we will get through it, um, mm-hmm. and whether or not the, the concept of our own economy can withstand any of these pressures in the near term, I mean, the biggest risk to us is a recession, which we don't see us getting there. But uh, the longer that the, the conflict goes on, then it obviously puts more stress even here domestically, even though we're not reliant mm-hmm. on their gas and oil. Well, thanks to both of you for those updates. Now, on to today's topic, women and finance. Liesl, first off, let me congratulate you on your recent promotion to Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor at Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky. Hey, thanks so much, Wayne. Yeah, I I really love what I do, and I'm just thrilled to be growing at at a great company like WHZ and really just serving the clients and adding as much value as I possibly can to their financial plan. So that's, that's really been great. Uh, for me over the last, you know, almost 15 years that I've been in this industry. Jim, any thoughts you want to add there about Liesl? Well, I mean, she, we, we, we are uh, happy to have her as a, you know, leader on our team, and she works really, she's exceptional with clients. She listens to them and delivers the best experience, always focusing on their goals uh, and how to achieve them. And over the years that we've worked together, I mean, she's grown remarkably in her skill set, her competency, her confidence, and, and what she's delivering for her clients, um, the feedback we get from, from them is really, really positive. I'm interested that only about a quarter of all financial advisors are female to begin with. Even fewer are in leadership roles in their respective firms. That's quite a low proportion. Liesl, you managed to overcome those odds. That's, that's right, Wayne. And uh, I, you know, I've been in this industry for about 15 years. Um, and really, I, when I was young, I mean, the reason I got into it, I, it's quite simple. I uh, liked math, which is something you use in finance. And I really enjoyed helping people. So as I got older and, and took some um, jobs in, in the area when I was younger, I, I just really enjoyed helping people. So as I got to, into college, I started in the School of Business 
and um, started studying finance, and I realized, oh, you know what, you might be able to combine those two things and become a financial advisor. So that's sort of where, where I, I came up with the idea of that's probably the path for me. Um, but it was pretty clear when I was in college that that industry and in this industry in general would be pretty male-dominated. Um, and because I had a lot of males in my, my classes, um, and, and actually when I got into the workplace, that trend continued as well. And, and what I noticed when I got into the workplace was that a majority of the leaders were male and a lot of the assistants handling the day-to-day work with clients were female. Um, so that was sort of interesting to see, uh, but that's sort of largely how it is today still. And, and as, as you said, about only a quarter of financial advisors are female. And you became a certified financial planner in 2016, and you were named a five-star wealth advisor by Connecticut Magazine last year in the very first year you were eligible. That clearly is impressive. Liesl, have you encountered any bias as a woman working in that male-dominated field? And if so, how'd you handle it? Yeah, and I, I... You know, I have um, in, in some ways, but it never, I, I never really let those things bother me. And I'm a pretty driven person, as Jim, <laughs> Jim knows. Um, so when there's obstacles or things that make me feel like um, I'm disadvantaged or, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that way. I just I rise above them and, and make it known that I'm, I'm here. I'm a, an important member of the team, and I, I have a voice um, and, and an opinion. So that's really the attitude I've had throughout my career. Um, but also, I, I will say that um, building that confidence to get there, that, that didn't you know, happen overnight. That's something that I've built along the way. Um, but I'm also very lucky to have uh, female mentors in, in both my mom and my twin sister, Kate, who actually works at Weiss Allen Zahansky. And we're each other's biggest supporters and always have been, both in our professional and personal lives. Um, so that, that really helps to get that mentorship and that support uh, really goes a long way and helps you build that confidence along the way. That's wonderful. And what about male colleagues? Do you find support from them as well? <laughs> well, I have a male colleague on the phone, Jim Zahansky, who has been one of my biggest supporters since I've joined uh, three years ago. Um, but in, in both Jim and Lawrence are incredibly supportive and inclusive, as Jim mentioned earlier on the show. And that's really what a good leader will do for their team, whether they're male or female, and that's to really empower their team to, to do great things. And, um, you know, knowing that women only make up 25% of financial advisors and of this um, the industry, they really try to give me access to women uh, mentors and women-centric uh, conferences, which is really great. That's fantastic. Jim, what drives you and Lawrence, your firm's other partner, to invest your time and effort in that sort of inclusivity and support? Yeah, good, good question, Wayne, um, and so, so nice to hear us talking about Liesl. I know she doesn't like to talk about herself, so um, it's good, good for us to be recognizing on this important International Women's Day her success and the success of probably so many women listeners. I mean, for us in our firm, um, you know, we really believe part of successful teams is about um, hiring the right people and empowering them. Um, and in the case of, of, you know, adding women to a team, I mean, it's really about ensuring that we're bringing different points of view um, and that, that they bring the right skill sets, the right competencies. And, uh, you know, I think when you, when you build a team that way, you think a bit about, um, you know, what makes the team more successful to be collectively doing well. And we, we often invite dissenting opinions and new ideas 
and we believe this is how innovation happens. And so um, having different perspectives and adding different thinkers to our team is critical. And, you know, as an ally to females as, as they grow in their careers, um, this is something we believe is absolutely successful, uh, needed to be successful to help us deliver our clients, um, you know, a plan that is really good, an investment strategy that's really good, and have them achieve their goals. And what about the inclusivity aspect? Do you think that having a diverse team also contributes to success? Oh, I mean, without a doubt. Um, you know, ha- it not, you know, if everyone had the same skill sets on a team, uh, you know, it wouldn't wouldn't be as strong. Whether you're talking about the UConn women's basketball team, uh, <laughs> the men's basketball team, or, or our team here at Weishaupt and Zahansky. I mean, we have a strong focus on. Uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, um, and and we believe that when you do those sorts of things, it makes you stronger, because in the end, really, what you're trying to do, do is in, in, is really achieve our mission, which is to deliver the the best wealth management experience to every client, every time, uh, and every touch point. And what's the correlation between incorporating women in executive leadership roles and positive positive performance trends? Yeah, I mean. So, you know, if you look back in history, um, you know, companies that have women driving them either as the CEO or in leadership experiences have have done very well, Um, and in fact, sometimes even better when you look at rising stock prices for some companies. Um, And it's unclear if it's the women CEOs on their own that are outperforming the male counterparts or or whether it's, uh, you know, the fact that having a woman CEO usually results in bringing in other women in multiple management positions. But, you know, the point here is that it's, um, is that women on leadership teams result in uh, some important benefits. Decision-making is more likely to reflect the diversity of the population being served. So in our case, there's a, there's a lot of women who need wealth management, um, you know, as part of being married, unmarried, and, and, and so we, we really believe that we understand that population better uh, from this perspective. And also adding fresh perspectives uh, can generate new ideas and always spark a positive change in, in business. And, and both of these are always likely to result in better performance for our clients. Now, that makes sense. On a similar note, I know you focus a lot of your work on helping business owners with their financial strategy and succession planning. What sort of advice do you have for women business owners in particular? I mean, this is something, and maybe Liza weighs in on this one, because uh, I, I, you know, I do work with a lot of business owner clients, um, and and just like Liza mentioned in her own experience in in her growing her career, you know, a lot of success in business lies in the solid planning and having a confidence to to execute your plan, um, and and I think whether whether you're uh, you know woman in particular as you're thinking through your business plan. Um, you know, we really can help you instill confidence in your business plan, help you think through the investments needed for success. And be sure, most importantly, for any business owner and woman, is that we, we plan right for your transition and your re- retirement so that someday when you're not taking that risk as a business owner, you're able to live well in your career well beyond owning a business. And Liesl, when you're working with female clients, do you find there are certain financial challenges that come up frequently? Mm-hmm. I do, and similar to what Jim described, is really that lack of confidence in managing their personal finances. And I often, you know, if I have um, women that come in, and whether they're just recently divorced or widowed, or um, but a lot of it, they'll say, you know, my husband always or my partner always uh, handled this, and I 
Um, you know, I just don't, I don't know. I'm, I feel intimidated. And it really, it comes back to, and I remember this in the early stages of my career, was that females were not really included in discussions or decisions about money. And that's been in history just for, um, you know, for a very long time. But there, so if you're not included in, in the conversations, the tendency to feel intimidated by it, by it would be pretty significant. And um, we're starting to see that now. And, and any time I have, if I have, um, you know, a prospect reaching out, I always make sure that both uh, spouses are included in the conversation, regardless of their interest level, because sometimes they're like, well, my, you know, my partner's not interested, and, and so they're not going to join. But I always uh, recommend that that happens, because it's very important for both males and females to really feel empowered to understand their finances, and that helps to build confidence for them. And, and again, I just, I see this so much in my women clients. Um, but another challenge that I see as well, so aside from the confidence, is for women to build enough assets in their own name to feel comfortable retiring. So that's something that I work with. And I, I work with a lot of accumulators and, and those that are, um, you know, in that millennial stage where they're, they're looking to build assets. So it's really important to build both uh, sides of the balance sheet for both males and females um, in, in that respect. Uh, so that, and again, that all stems down to creating a plan and investing and, and uh, so that they can live well and achieve their goals. That's outstanding. And like you said, there's so much opportunity to help others in your role. What's your advice to girls and young women who are thinking about following in your path with a career in finance? Well, I, I think there there should be more programs to promote women and girls in finance. That's, that's number one. But secondly, I, I advise any girls out there that are thinking about working in finance to just have the confidence to be curious and interested in the field and not be intimidated by the fact that it's Still is heavily male. There's so much opportunity for women in this field of finance, um, and it's, it'll continue to grow in the future. So I would say if you're interested, talk to a woman in the field. There, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, so I'd be happy to talk to anyone. But just getting an understanding of what the work is like and the challenges and opportunities um, that you, know, you could, could uh, come, come across would, is something that would help to, to get them interested, I think, in the role. You know, Lizel, part of my time at UConn, I was a math major, and I know there's a perception out there that says that women are not good or don't like math. Obviously, you're an exception to that, but yet I've had plenty of women come through this studio and be interviewed here, including chief engineers and jobs that require the use of numbers. So I just wonder what your take is on that perception. Is it reality that most women are not good at numbers, or is that just another urban myth? I think that's another urban myth, Wayne, and I, I think we're starting to see that shift uh, with women becoming more interested in, in the STEM, really the science, technology, engineering, and math uh, programs, which is really great. And along the same lines, when you talk to women about their finances, do you try to encourage them to learn more about how the whole thing works, to do more of the keeping track of the family finances, and don't just rely on someone else in the household to do it? Because at some point in time, you might have to be doing all of it, and that's a lot to make up for if you haven't learned how to do it in the first place. That's exactly right. The, the key to that is just educating and, and helping them feel comfortable and talking to them in terms that they can understand. I mean, it's, it, and that's for anyone, really. Um, but for the most part, it's about edu- educating my women clients, and, ma- and that helps give them the confidence to, to make the right choices. 
And I wonder, Liesl, how different it is when you are talking to one of your clients who is a woman versus talking to one of your clients who's a man versus having both a man and a woman in the room at the same time. Is it a big difference as far as how the conversation goes, or are they all asking pretty much the same questions? I would say it varies uh, for the most part, but I would, like I said earlier in the show, if I have a woman that was recently divorced or widowed and and their husband handled most of the finances, that's probably the the conversation that differs from other conversations. It's really a, here, I've not handled any of this, and I need need your help. (laughs) So it's, um, you know, but we work through it together. Back me up to what you talked about when we began the show. What was it that got you interested in math, in numbers, which you deal with on a daily basis now? Was it something that your parents, maybe your mom, your dad, directed you to? Was it a class? Was it a teacher you took? But what was it that kind of got you going in this direction? I remember in fourth grade, I was really good at doing the um, the times, you know, where you had to be timed and you have to do, like, the multiplication tables. So I was, uh, I did those pretty quickly and, and realized I really like, I really enjoy this. And I, I didn't really like reading all that much. Um, so it, it sort of naturally happened uh, to be math was my favorite subject. So Now, back in my days of math in school, when my fourth grade days, you were talking slide rules and stuff like that. What did you use back in your fourth grade days? Were, were, were calculators allowed to be used or did you have to do it everything longhand? Uh, everything longhand, yep. You, we, I'm, uh, you know, I'm at that age where it was uh, longhand, and then calculators weren't a thing quite. I mean, they were, but not, um, you know, not like the iPads that kids use today. Nope, I like the longhand stuff, and I still do a lot of that stuff because I do a lot of work breaking down stats and things for games, and I, I can do long division, and I do that on a regular basis, as a matter of fact. Liza, if there are girls or women out there who would like advice on building a career in finance or you want to help create a strategy for your own businesses or finances, what do you have to say to them? I, I'd say reach out to our team at uh, whzwealth.com. And or info at whzwealth.com or our phone number 860-928-2341. Happy to, to talk to anybody that's interested in any of those things. Perfect timing for our program today on Women in Finance because today is International Women's Day, a global day celebrating the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women. Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky, Strategic Wealth Advisors, Principals, Managing Partner, James Zahansky and Lawrence Hale, along with Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor, Lazel Cording, offer securities and advisory services through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor, fixed insurance products and services offered through CES Insurance Agency. They practice at 697 Pomfret Street, Pomfret Center, 06259. The phone number, 860-928-2340. 41. Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky, Strategic Wealth Advisors, do not provide legal or tax advice. The Tenure Financial Services team strives to support clients in achieving their financial life goals. For more information regarding wealth management and customized financial planning with Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky, Strategic Wealth Advisors, please visit whzwealth.com. Lizel, Jim, great program, timely program. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks yeah. for having Thank us. Thank you, Wayne. 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.